turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. that we're frail. God knows we're going to mess up. God knows that we are all people who have feet of clay, but the desire of our heart should be to lead a blameless life before God, to be intentional about living a life before God that honors him and pleases him. Noah and Abraham were both blameless guys, but they had their shortcomings. Blameless is not sinless, but blameless in this sense is an intentional effort to lead a sincere, upright wholehearted life with integrity before God. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Psalms. To be Christians, we need to pursue blameless lives. Some make the mistake of thinking that this means that they have no right to pursue God unless they can live without any sin. Pastor Gary teaches us today, though, that to live a blameless life, we need to consistently pursue God despite the sin in our lives. In doing this, we will learn to recognize our sin and learn that only through and with the help of Jesus can we be rid of it. Ask Jesus to help you live a blameless life. Acknowledge the sin you struggle with and ask Him to help you overcome it. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in Psalms chapter 101 for part one of today's message titled, A Blameless Life. Let's take our Bibles, if you would, please, and join me in the book of Psalms. We are going to be in Psalm 101 today. Psalm 101, if you need a Bible today, our ushers are going to walk down the aisles with Bibles in hand, and you can feel free to wave in their direction if you'd like to receive a Bible. Otherwise, maybe you have a Bible on your electronic device, just pull it up to Psalm 101. Psalm 101, it's only eight verses long. It does tell us in the byline that it is of David, a psalm, so we know the one who was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write these words. It is King David. He writes here, I'm going to read all of it, it's only eight verses. Psalm 101 of David, a psalm. I will sing of your love and justice. To you, O Lord, I will sing praise. I will be careful to lead a blameless life. When will you come to me? I will walk in my home with blameless heart. I will set before my eyes no vile thing. The deeds of faithless men I hate. They will not cling to me. Men of perverse heart shall be far from me. I will have nothing to do with evil. 
Whoever slanders his neighbor in secret, him will I put to silence. Whoever has haughty eyes and a proud heart, him will I not endure. My eyes will be on the faithful in the land, that they may dwell with me. He whose walk is blameless will minister to me. No one who practices deceit will dwell in my house. No one who speaks falsely will stand in my presence. Every morning I will put to silence all the wicked in the land. I will cut off every evildoer from the city of the Lord. If you'll notice here in Psalm 101, I want to highlight the key verse, which is verse 2, where David says that he wants to be careful to lead a blameless life. Underline that or highlight that in your Bibles there in verse 2. David says that the ambition of his heart is to lead before God a blameless life. Notice he didn't say, I want to lead a successful life. I want to lead a happy life. I want to lead a good life. He doesn't even say, I want to lead a long life. Not that there's anything wrong with those things in the right perspective and with the right motives. I think David himself was a man who experienced a successful, good, long life. But what David is saying is the most important thing, the supreme thing, the preeminent desire of his heart is to lead a blameless life, to lead a blameless life. Now, it's not the only time he uses that word blameless in this chapter. He uses it two more times. You'll notice with me at the beginning of verse 2, that's when he says, I want to be careful to lead a blameless life. At the end of verse 2, he talks about a blameless heart. And in verse 6, he references a blameless walk, how one conducts him or herself in life. So he, he's heavy on this theme in chapter 101 about being blameless, a blameless life, a blameless heart, a blameless walk. And if you think that the idea of being blameless is uh, a high standard, that the bar's set pretty high when you, when you hear him talk about being blameless, well, you need to read the King James and the New King James version on that word. If you have a King James Bible or New King James, it doesn't use the word blameless like I'm reading from the NIV. King James and New King James uses the word perfect. Perfect. In verse 2, the New King James reads, I will behave wisely in a perfect way. I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. Which should cause us to ask whether you're reading the word blameless or perfect. It should cause us to ask, well, who's, who's that person? I mean, who among us can lead a blameless, let alone a perfect life? Well, in order for us to really understand what he's talking about, we have to dig a little bit deeper here. And I don't, I don't want to become, you know, Professor Gary, but sometimes understanding the original language is important for us to grasp the meaning behind the verse. And in this particular case, the word we're looking at is blameless, or some translations perfect. In Hebrew, the word blameless is tamim, tamim. And it translates sincere, upright, whole, complete, and having integrity. Sincere, upright, whole, complete, having integrity. That's the word used here in the original Hebrew language. So even though it's translated perfect in King James and New King James, it doesn't mean perfect the way we think perfect. When we think perfect, we think someone who's never sinned, someone who's never done anything wrong, someone who's never made a mistake. Well, who besides Jesus is that person? None of us is perfect. There's none righteous. The Bible makes clear. No, not one. So why should we waste our time talking about leading a blameless life or leaving, living a perfect life if, in fact, it means a life that, where you never make a mistake? But that's not what it's saying here. 
not in its original language, not in the original context here. What it means when it talks about perfect or blameless is the sense of living a whole and complete life before God of sincerity and integrity. No half-hearted walk with God. Living a blameless life, David is saying, I want to live a life that is wholly devoted, wholly committed, not half-hearted, not insincere, but sincere and full of integrity. You're either all in or you're not. David is saying, I'm all in. Christianity is like being pregnant, friends. All right, you're either pregnant or you're not. You're not a little bit. All right, and so it is with Christianity. You're either all in or you're not. It's not like I'm just going to be a little bit of a Christian. David is writing here, of course, in Old Testament terms, before the cross, but nevertheless, he's saying, I want to live a life that's all in. I want to lead a life. I want to be careful to lead a blameless life before God. I want to live a sincere, upright, wholehearted life with integrity before God. So, blameless doesn't mean without fault. Doesn't mean you've never made a mistake. It means all those other things that tamim means. Sincere, integrity, whole, complete. Now, just to show you from Scripture that the word blameless doesn't mean someone who's never made a mistake, I want to give you two examples from the Bible of Two men who were referred to as blameless. The first example is Noah. The Bible tells us that Noah was a blameless man. In Genesis 6-9, this is what the verse says in Genesis 6-9. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Blameless. And there's that word again in Hebrew, tamim. This is the word that describes Noah. Now, we know that Noah wasn't perfect in the sense that he never did anything wrong. He had his faults. He had his shortcomings, right? Remember that after the floodwaters seceded and Noah stepped off the ark after having been on there, mind you, for, when you do the math, he was on the, on the ark for a little bit more than a year. During the duration of the flood and then the floodwaters receded. By the time he disembarks from the ark, he's been on there for a little more than a year. What's the first thing that Noah does after he gets off the ark? What's the first thing he does? He, he makes a, plants a vineyard, grows grapes, gets drunk, takes off all his clothes. <laughs> Acting like he attends West Virginia University. Do you know what I'm saying to you? I'm... Okay, now before you shoot me or send me an email, that's not me giving you that stat. Actually, according to the Princeton Review, I just read this. The Princeton Review, like, like that's the bastion of uh, journalism. But anyway, the Princeton Review ranked the top 100 party schools 2017 in America. West Virginia University ranked number two. (laughs) Number two is one of the highest party schools in the country. By the way, number one, number one party school in the country, University of Wisconsin. And I find it a bit ironic that the party school, University of Wisconsin, Ends with sin. But anyhow. uh, (laughs) But but here Noah is living like a frat boy attending Alpha Beta booze uh, fraternity. And he he gets drunk, takes off all his clothes and and goes down in his tent. And he's just, you know, lying there, spread eagle. And and he has three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. If you think that's a bad image, I got more. But, he, but here he's got three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham comes in. The Bible says Ham comes into the tent, sees dad sprawled out there naked, 
And the Bible's a little, it's a little discreet about what transpired. Something transpires there bad enough that when Noah comes sober, he curses uh, Ham's descendants. But we don't know exactly what happened there. One thing we do know is Ham comes out of the tent and he makes fun of his of his dad to his two brothers, to Shem and to Japheth. Now, Shem and Japheth have enough sense that we're going to honor dad, all right? Dad, dad, dad became three sheets to the wind, and we're not going to make fun of it. We're, we're going to cover it up. So they take basically a bathrobe. They take a, basically a bathrobe. They go into the tent, Shem and Japheth. And the Bible says, and they walk backwards. They walk backwards. And I suppose until they see like dad's feet, all right? lying, on, And then they just kind of drop the bathrobe over him to cover him up. Now, you might wonder, why, why in the world did they go backwards like that? I mean, these are grown men at this point. You know, I mean, they're grown men. Why not just go in? They've probably seen Dad naked a bunch of times. And, you know, just take, take the bathrobe in and cover him up. Because he's 600 years old. <laughs> Nobody should have to see that, friends. <laughs> I, know, I know people want to make spiritual sense out of why did they walk backwards? Because it must have been the way God instructed. They just didn't want to see a 600-year-old naked man. That's why they went backwards, dropped the bathrobe over him. But, but Noah was not, in, in, in that sense, a perfect man. Interestingly, first time in the Bible the word wine is mentioned. First time in the Bible the word drunk is mentioned over that story. And yet the Bible says about Noah that he was a blameless man. Because tamim means that he was nevertheless, despite his shortcomings, a man who was all in with God. And who was wholly devoted and was about sincerity and integrity. Yeah, we, we're going to have our failures from time to time. But David says, I'm going to be careful to lead a blameless life. Another example of a blameless person in the Bible is Abraham. In Genesis 17, 1, God commanded him, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. Now, he didn't have a spotless record either. I mean, he wasn't out getting drunk, but he had some problems with lying. He had some problems with lying. And there's one occasion in the Bible where they go down to Egypt, he and his wife Sarah. There was a famine in, in the land, and so they go down to Egypt. And Abraham knew the culture of his day. Now, let me explain. The culture of the day is, besides the way that people then and still immorally take another man's wife, back in the day, if, if somebody, someone was married... You, you wouldn't just, you know, outright steal the woman from, from a man if she were married to that man. If you saw that she was beautiful, you, you couldn't just take her unless, unless her husband accidentally died. <laughs> if he met some tragedy, then all of a sudden now she's a widow and she's free. So Abraham knows this. This is the mentality. Now he's going to Egypt where Pharaoh's the most powerful guy. You know what Pharaoh's? Pharaoh's going to take one look at Sarah... And Abraham knows this. She's beautiful. I married a hot woman. And so Pharaoh's going to like her. And he's going to want to kill me so that now she's this grieving widow. And so he knows this. So what does he do? He goes down to Pharaoh and he says, she ain't my wife. She's my sister. She's my sister. Because he, he's throwing her under the bus. Because now it's basically, she's free game. Just don't kill me. <laughs> what a man. <laughs> but, he, but he says, she's my sister. Now he lies. Now, it's, it's a half truth. Because the fact of the matter is the Bible tells us. That Sarah is the half-sister of Abraham, her husband. The Bible says that they share the same father, different mothers. Yes, Abraham married his half-sister. 
I will not make a reference again to West Virginia University. I'm not going to say that. But what I am saying is that a half... I'm going to get emails. I'm feeling it. But a half-truth, a half-truth is a complete lie. And yet the Bible says about Abraham, blameless guy, blameless guy. He, he told some lies. So again, it's not this picture. We don't, we don't want this concept of, well, who, who can ever live up to that standard, living a blameless, perfect life before God? No, I was just talking about people who are intentional. Despite their shortcomings, people who are intentional about living a holy, devoted, complete, upright, sincere life before God with integrity. That's the goal here. That's the desire. God knows that we're frail. God knows we're going to mess up. God knows that we are all people who have feet of clay. But the desire of our heart should be to lead a blameless life before God, to be intentional about living a life before God that honors him and pleases him. Noah and Abraham were both blameless guys, but they had their shortcomings. Blameless is not sinless, but blameless in this sense is an intentional effort to lead a sincere, upright, wholehearted life with integrity before God. By the way, the word blameless appears in the New Testament too. Now, when you go into the New Testament, you're you're changing original languages. Old Testament originally written in Hebrew, New Testament originally written in Greek. But the word blameless applies in different ways in the New Testament too. For example, you don't need to turn. I'm going to read some of these verses quicker than you can find them. But the word blameless is used in the New Testament to describe Christians. In Ephesians 1.4, it says, For he chose us in him, God did, before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. It is a word that is used to describe how we should also behave as we await the return of Christ. In 2 Peter 3.14, it says, So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with them. The Apostle Peter is writing that saying, while you're waiting for the return of Christ, be men and women who are living a life of integrity by being blameless before God. It's also a word that appears in the New Testament as a qualification for elders in the church. Elders who serve in leadership capacities in the church. In the book of Titus chapter 1, the word is used twice in verse 6 and 7 to describe the qualifications for an elder. It says this, an elder must be blameless. The husband of but one wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer is entrusted with God's work, he must be blameless. The word is used again. It's the only word among the qualifications for an elder that is repeated twice. Now again, it's a different word from the Hebrew tamim. It is a different word in the Greek. It is angeklotos. And it just simply means one who is without accusation. Again, it doesn't mean someone who's perfect. There's no perfect elder. There's no perfect Christian. There's no perfect pastor in the sense that we think of perfect, like never making a mistake and never sinning. But it is still a call to live a life in such a way that you're not giving people fuel for the fire by stuff that you're doing that would raise their question about your character. That you are living a life in such a way that you are not giving people the open opportunity to accuse you of things. Now, yes, people will, unfortunately, say slanderous, gossiping, lying things about us from time to time. And we can't control always the things that people say about us. But we have a role in making sure we're we're not helping people to have room to accuse us by living a blameless life. 
a life that is wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord, sincere and with integrity. So this word is both Old Testament and New Testament. But looking into Psalm 101, which is where we are today, David actually tells us here that there are three things that threatened his living a blameless life. Three things that potentially threatened his living a blameless life before God. And this is good for us to take notes on because these are the same things that threaten the potential for us to lead a blameless life. The first thing that he talks about, the potential threat, is what he looks at. It's what he looks at. Notice here in Psalm 101, verse 2 and 3. The last part of verse 2, David says, I will walk in my house with blameless heart. Verse 3, I will set before my eyes no vile thing. I will set before my eyes no vile thing. I'm going to guard what I look at. Now, we don't know whether David wrote this chapter before or after his affair with Bathsheba. So either, either he didn't heed his own advice if he wrote this before the affair... Or maybe this was written after the affair and now he's made a new resolution about guarding his eyes and so he writes about it in this psalm. We don't know, but either way we can learn from it. Because there David was on one spring night, the Bible says, at the time when kings go off to war, his Israeli army was off in battle and David was at home in his palace with idle time on his hands. And he strolls out on the roof of his palace one spring night and he looks out And there on the roof of his neighbor's house is a beautiful woman, Bathsheba, who's bathing. Now, as uncommon as that would be for us, that was not uncommon in that day. Your roof was actually an extension of your home. Uh, Stairways would take you up to the roof, and it was a place where rainwater would be caught, and so you would use it as drinking water, and you'd bathe in it also. So she's probably, you know, giving her the benefit of the doubt, she's probably just up there bathing and, and you know, it's, it's dusk time and she's thinking maybe under the cover of early darkness or maybe she's even thinking because the Bible says at the time when kings go off to war that David isn't even home, that he's off fighting with his army as he should have been. But David looks and he sees Now look, you know, the same stairs that brought David up to the roof are the same stairs that could have taken him down. But his mistake was he lingered. There's an old saying about how never to take the second glance. You know, we we have eyes. We can notice good-looking people. And, you know, we're we're not dumb in that sense. God's given us eyes. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, appreciating or admiring things. But but then it crosses a line, that second glance. And then it becomes potentially lustful at that point and then covetous. And that's what happened with David. He gave the second glance and he lingered and he coveted and he wanted Bathsheba and he sent for her and he slept with her. You you know the story. And it became one of the most devastating decisions of his life. All because he did not guard what he looked at. Now, I'm not suggesting for a moment that Bathsheba did anything pornographic. But for David, David... That was a pornographic moment for him. And in David's day, think about it. What's the likelihood of seeing such a thing? A happen chance moment of going up under the roof of your palace and seeing someone else naked on the roof of their house. That's about the extent of it. Now translate that to today. What is the exposure that we have to things that are sexual and pornographic? The ways of multimedia and social media now have made it It's almost unavoidable 
being bombarded with sexual images and pornography. America, sad statistic, America is the number one producer of pornography in the world. We're so glad you joined us for Pastor Gary's message today. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching in the book of Psalms and that God is whispering the words of comfort and strength to your heart. If you'd like to learn more about Cornerstone Connection, visit our website at cornerstoneconnection.cc. There you can hear all of Pastor Gary's messages through this book, as well as the entire Bible. Be sure to check out the companion resources while you're there, found under the Teachings tab. These digital study guides are meant to give you even more insight into some of the studies Pastor Gary has done and are available free of charge to you at cornerstoneconnection.cc. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about how God is working in your life. Feel free to join the conversation on our Facebook page or check out what's going on at Cornerstone Connection on Twitter or Instagram. We're here to chat with you in person, too. So give us a call at 703-771-1500. Let us know how we can be praying for you. That number again is 703-771-1500. That's all we have time for today. Pastor Gary will have much more to share from his verse-by-verse study through Psalms when you join us again, right here on Cornerstone Connection. No place to go, but still you know.